What's the fantasy fallout from Mr. Smith going to Washington? What are the dynasty prospects for Christian Kirk? And is there a 2018 version of Alvin Kamara waiting to be drafted into the NFL this April? Plus, the 2017 Football Guys Players Championship champions, Michael App and Justin Smiley, join the show to talk all about their win, how they did it after whiffing on tight ends in their draft, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Dave Gerzak is here. I'm Eric Falkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. What more can I say? We top billing it. Valiant without billing it. Viciously found victory. Burn towns and villages. Burning looting and pillaging. Murderers try to hurt us. We curse them and all that killing. I just want the bread and bologna bundles to talk away. I don't work for free. I am barely giving up. away. So tell begging Johnny and Mommy to get the away. Hey, yo, here's a gun, son. Now run. Get it the gut away. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Thank you once again, Rob. Greetings and salutations, all of you ballcoholics and Gerzak and addicts. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. Coming up on tonight's show, we'll play a dynasty version of Would You Rather with Des Bryant, break down some dynasty rookies, and Michael Apt and Justin Smiley break down their $250,000 grand prize football guys players championship title winning draft. What Ram not named Gurley they like best this season and a ton more after we pick their brain. Shout out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you might have in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, you can do so at HSFFO or at Eric Balkman or at David Gerzak. You can post on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash hsffhour. And the number to call if you want to give us a call tonight, 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. Obviously, if you've downloaded this podcast later, don't call in. We're not around. You can also email the show at the inbox, highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Our audio engineer, Bryce, our mutual friend, Rob, and me once in a while are always hanging out around that email box, ready to fire those emails onto the show. Uh, if you have any questions for us, now's the time to post them into the chat room. We we'll try to get uh, to all of them, all the tweets, all the emails, in the fantasy feedback segment later on in the show. want to remind everybody, myffpc.com slash dynasty is your home for Dynasty Orphans. We are down, Dave, I believe, to less than 20. Started off with like 80-some, 90-some, and now it's down to less than 20, I think. 15. 15. Yep. 15 orphans still out there, varying in price from 500 to 1250. I mean, those are the... Those are those the, the, I think we actually only have 750s and 1250s listed right okay. now. And most of them are have a sale price next to them. Most of them are discounted somewhat. Yeah. Not all of them. Hey, did you ever sell that, um, the, uh, the, the one that was way discounted? <laughs> the one, I don't yeah, want to say it on that. The one was on a 50 bucks. Yeah. It was a 750 for $50. And somebody bought it. Yes. Okay. All right, good. Well, well, he's a pretty well-known player, so it's not like I... I didn't feel like I was, you know... Pawing it off on me. Like, right, like, okay. Hey, who, hey, was who bought it? I can't tell you. Oh, okay. This is, you know, Can you tell me off air? I would like to know. Probably. Okay. MyFFPC.com slash dynasty is where to go for that. Hey, 
Let's get into tonight's guest, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to bring them both on the air right now. After discovering the FFPC in 2014, they finished 11th overall last season. That was nothing compared to the 2017 season they had featuring a main event title, league title, a runner-up finish in their 1250 Dynasty League, and above all, a $250,000 grand prize as the 2017 Football Guys Players Championship champions. Please welcome into the show, ladies and gentlemen, Michael App and Justin Smiley. Guys, thanks for spending your Thursday evening with us, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks for having us. It's uh, certainly the pleasure is all on this side of the microphone, I got to tell you. This is exciting to have, uh, we, you know, we wanted to have you on right away, but because Dave the Diva was always not in the studio, and I wanted to make sure he was present for this, to have you guys on, uh, I wanted to make sure that uh, that that uh, he was here at a time when we could it. get you on. Yeah, I know you wouldn't miss it, and I didn't want to. The three of us have exchanged. We're all pals, Bucky. Yeah. You're like the outsider. I'm we the outsider. Emails amongst ourselves. Well, there you go. Without you and <laughs> let me ask you this, Michael. I'll, I'll I'll start this off right away. The 250 grand man has. I mean, obviously you split that with Justin, but but Michael has, has it sunk in yet that you that you guys actually won this thing? You know, honestly, right, like it's just a surreal moment. Like from the time it happened all the way through now, it's it's still like it's starting to sink in. But you, you know, you you never really realize that you win it when when you do. Like it's 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 kind of it's kind of insane to think that it went down the way that it did. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, can't, I can't wait to rehash the story. Well, we'll rehash. Before we get into that story, uh, <laughs> tell us the story of you guys. Michael, go ahead first. Uh, tell the listeners that you do for a living, and then Justin, go ahead right after him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I live in the Metro Detroit area, and uh, I sell real estate here locally. I've been doing that for about 15 years. Um, I've always had kind of a, a passion for fantasy football. You know, started back in the day with a bunch of home leagues. Um, you know, and kind of worked our way up. And uh, like I mentioned in, you know, in our emails with you earlier, in 2014, we discovered the FFPC, loved the format, loved how it was, you know, paced out, kind of decided to start doing some teams there and, uh, you know, kind of led to where we're at right now, which is that surreal moment you just spoke about. Yeah, and for me, um, I live actually in the Los Angeles area, and I've been here about 10 years, and I'm a musician out here. A musician? Justin, this is exciting. Dave, have we ever had a musician on the show, like a real honest-to-God musician on the show? We've got a bunch of dinosaur lawyers, other saps, and other, you know, crappy, boring, no no offense to the real estate, we love it, but a musician. No, no, it's boring in comparison. Well, Well, first of all, Michael is a top 1% producer. That's what his signature says on it. So this guy moves some houses, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Whether it's on Eight Mile or up in the upper good, you know, <laughs> the good, good area, good part of Michigan, the good good. <laughs> good part of just a little, hey, Justin, just a little bit north of Eight Mile. Not, not much though. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Justin, uh, if anybody wanted to like download or stream or pay for your music, how could we? How do we get access uh, to that? Do you have like a SoundCloud or something that that you want to promote? Uh, I mean, not really. I mostly do. Uh, I mostly do guitar work. Um, I had some independent artist ventures, probably like five, five, six years ago. If you Google my name, you'll see. You'll see some like there's a Reverb Nation page. It's old. I don't use it anymore. So, not really. Like it's mostly guitar work. So I don't really have like my own um, new stuff or anything out there. I'm mostly like a hired gun sort of deal. 
So he's, he's, he's being modest. He's making money instead of doing it. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I'm sure you are. Listen, with 125 grand, you can probably start, you know, hiring guns for you. Start, start your own label. <laughs> yes, don't piss, don't piss it away, man. No, don't do that. Smiley music. I love it. <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, there you go. Yeah, you mine, could, yes. yeah. yeah, exactly. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Dave, let's get into the uh, fantasy conversation. My turn? You're chomping at the bit here to, to, to rehash week 16. All right. We're going to talk to Michael first here. Congrats. Massive performance. 250 grand. So tell us how you and Justin, how do you guys spend your time? How, how did you spend your time that weekend? I mean, were you guys in the same area or were you split apart, talking on the phone, texting? No. Yeah, so, so what's actually hilarious about that is obviously I stay in good communication with Justin. We, we talk every day, multiple times a day. Um, he might be better to actually answer this question, but he was in England on a vacation with his wife during the, the final week, during week 16. So I, I kind of want him to jump in and, and give his experience of it because I'm just picturing him in like little like hostel or hotel room or wherever he's at, like trying to stream <laughs> that Oakland Philadelphia game, <laughs> praying that Earth doesn't overtake us, like in this little like dimly lit room. I mean, I I was at home personally myself, so we we weren't together, but. It, it was kind of funny. I mean, we were just texting back and forth, like, constantly. He's about two or three minutes behind me because he's streaming the game. And I'm, like, texting the updates. I'm like, oh, man, Earth just caught a two-yard pass. And, you know, that, so, like, I kind of want him to jump in and tell his experience of it because it's kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, go ahead. Yeah. As he said, I was, I was in England with my wife, and, and we have some friends who are from there. And so we actually spent Christmas Day with the family. And so – I didn't get to watch any of the games until we got back to the flat that we had rented that night. Um, and it was about 2 a.m. local time there. And, you know, my wife went to bed. I couldn't go to bed, though, because I knew what was going on. And so uh, I was frantically searching for some way to watch the games, found a bootleg stream to look at. And, uh, yeah, it ended up being a few minutes behind. And so I was just huddled in the living room, like, in the dark, just, really watching my phone more than the stream because Mike was telling me what happened on every single play. And so I was just losing my mind <laughs> back and forth in text. Um, and yeah, we, we definitely, uh, I was more resigned to the fact of losing than Mike was, but at halftime uh, it was, it was not looking good. So <laughs> it, was, it was not looking good at halftime. Yeah. So, yeah. So tell us, tell us the whole, tell us that story. I mean, Balky and I know about it. So you were going against – you had a substantial lead on Zach Ertz, who was the only guy who could catch you, right? Yeah. Yeah, we were, we were sitting in first, and uh, it was the final game, which we all know was the Oakland-Philly game. And uh, we had a dodge – I think it was like 20 – I want to say like from Zach Ertz. Obviously, we're not very comfortable with that. Um, you know, Ertz is just a PPR monster, especially in the format with, you know, one and a half points per, you know, tight end reception. And uh, having Zach Ertz on several of our other teams, like, we, we knew what he was capable of. So going into the game, we, we kind of were like, all right, you know, we got to keep Zach Ertz down. And, and by halftime, I think he put up 17 17.6, something like that. So we're sitting there at halftime with only, like, a five-point buffer. And Justin was just like, dude, it's, it's over. We, we didn't win. It's not going to happen. You know, just, just resign – just resigned to the fact that it's not going down by, I would have by the end of the, uh, what, 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 sorry, what was that? I said, I would have, oh, I, 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 totally, we would, yep. we would have been in concert. No I, I totally agreed with I'd that. Be, I'd be drunk by the third. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, at 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 the end of the at at the end of the ha- or the second quarter, we're like, yeah, it's it's over. I mean, going into the third, we we just knew it. Because I mean, at that point, of, you know, five and a half points, you know, a couple receptions, and we're done. So it, it's going into the third quarter, and Ertz, I don't think had a reception the entire third quarter. I text Justin back, and I was like, dude, we we might have a chance at this. You know, Foles was just really beside himself. He couldn't seem to hit the broadside of a barn. And it was kind of like the moons were aligning. And, uh, you know, Ertz only picked up, I think, one catch through like the third and the fourth quarter, and it's coming down to that final drive. I don't know if you guys particularly watched the game. Obviously, we were glued to our sets. But, uh, you know, Ertz is is sitting there on the final drive, and he catches two passes to set up the field goal. And I actually, at that point on his second pass, he caught. I didn't know if we had won or lost because it was so razor thin. And I'm texting Justin. I was like, did we win? Did we lose? Like, where's it at? Constantly <laughs> clicking the refresh button on the, uh, on the leaderboard, not knowing where we stand, just praying that Elliot kicks the field goal to end the game. Obviously, we know he does. Yeah, just end we know it. That, yeah, just end it. Just get me out of here. And, uh, you know, it was, it was just really like a, an overwhelming moment when he hit that field goal, the game ends, and we're sitting there and we're still at the top of the leaderboard. It's like, is this real? Is this really happening? Did, did we take it down? That is fantastic. That's a great story. That's good stuff. That's, uh, that's awesome. Well, let's talk about uh, how, how, how you got there. And, and, you know, looking back at this draft, Justin, by the time you guys had chosen Martellus Bennett at the 702 in this particular league, you already, I mean, there's already 10 tight ends uh, already off the board. Now, we know that Bennett was a bust in 2017. You guys ended mm-hmm. up filling your tight end spot with Jack Doyle, who you actually picked up off the waiver wire. He was drafted by another team and was dropped, and you picked him up, and he was fantastic all season. So despite, right. my, my question to you, despite the, the one-and-a-half PPR scoring for tight ends, are players in this format better off on spending their early picks, maybe on running backs, receivers, maybe even a quarterback, and then uh, you know, get the tight end later and maybe attack it with a few you know, picks later on in the draft or maybe look at the waiver wire and pick somebody up there? What's your opinion you know, I know you might be a little bit biased after how this league turned out, but what's your opinion sure. on that particular philosophical question? Yeah, so um, first off, I, I, I'd like to affectionately refer to what happened as a mistake. Um, and <laughs> what, I mean, some, somewhat of a mistake. So, so Mike and I really try and approach each draft with um, an open mind of saying, like, look, each draft is unique. These are the tiers of the players we like. And so – we're not going to get, we're going to do our best because sometimes you really can't avoid it, but we're going to do our best to not get pigeonholed. Um, and usually we, we would have liked to draft a tight end by that point. But like you said, there were, there were already 10 gone each time it was coming around to us. And we were looking at who was there. We just didn't like the guys who were available enough um, to overpass the people that we ended up taking instead. And, and I mean, the, our first five rounds. I mean, the, it was it was really strong, strong players. I mean, it went it went Bell, Gurley, Baldwin, Landry, Ingram. I mean, that's pretty monstrous. So I'm glad we did it, but I I, I wouldn't say that I would say oh pass on the tight end because obviously tight end is super strong in this format. But I think what it does um, does show, if nothing else, is how important waivers are and how you had like sure like we definitely were lucky to get a, a team that drops Jack Doyle because otherwise we, we, fu- we, we fully know that Do- yeah. yeah Doyle like, was we're a toast, monster we're toast without that um but the point is that we couldn't have gotten him unless we're following waivers 
every single week in every single league going through meticulously and holding ourselves accountable to properly manage every single team that we bought in for. And so it's just more so um, I think it speaks to the importance of the, the waiver wire to not dismiss it. And to really, for me, I, I, enjoy, I like letting the draft come. So That is pretty awesome. Yeah, no, it's good analysis on on the the tight end. Champagne to that uh, league mate of yours. I, you know, I. Dropped a, you dropped know, yeah, that, yeah, exactly. You know, I've heard. <laughs> we, 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 we here's the thing. About that. <laughs> we were. We, honestly, honestly, Eric, Eric, and Dave, we we were confused when we saw Doyle on the waiver wire when it happened. Part part of our game plan in that particular draft was actually targeting Doyle a little bit later but he went right before a couple guys that we wanted and it just didn't shake out. So when we saw him on the waiver wire, it was, it was kind of like a godsend. Like we couldn't believe he was there. You can even see, we spent pretty much all of our free agent budget to go get him. Cause, cause we, we just knew we needed to get him on our team. And uh, you know, that was obviously a huge part of, uh, you know, pulling off the, the championship. So even though you target him in your draft, didn't get him, you still got him off the waiver wire. I think the lesson here, Dave, get your guys, even if it's not in the draft, you still got to get him off the waiver wire. Kind of like Nick Foles, that quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so Justin. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Justin, did you and Michael have any lineup decisions that you almost went the other way on over the last few weeks of the season that would have cost you? Um, Yeah, so we went back and, and, and we were checking that out ourselves, and our biggest decision that um, we seemed to go back and forth on before we made the choice was in week 14, and that was between Deion Lewis and Marquise Goodwin. And thankfully that week we went Marquise Goodwin because he scored 4.9 more points, and obviously that, wow. that did make the difference because if we go Deion Lewis there, then, then we don't win the championship. So that was – that was definitely oh, the one spot where we were back and forth on, and thank God we, we chose correctly that week. Michael, not only uh, have you – once again, our guest tonight, Michael Apt and Justin Smiley, the 2017 Football Guys Players Championship, uh, $250,000 grand prize winners uh, joining the program. Not only did you guys have a ton of success, obviously, there with the 250 k Michael, but you also banked the main event league title. You had two squads finish in the top 60 overall there. You placed two teams in the top 65 of the FPC. When you look back on this season, what part of your preparation, what part of your process really went right that you're actually going to specifically try and go out and replicate for 2018? Yeah, it's a a good question. And myself and Justin talked about that a little bit, even before the season and obviously, you know, uh, here after the season wrap-up. I think the biggest part of it is honestly just just trusting our gut feelings on particular players. Um, you know, you can see based on our, our championship team, obviously Mark Ingram and, and Jarvis Landry were just huge parts of that success, getting them at, at values much lower than where they really should have been drafted. Um, there was a lot of, you know, drum beating for Devonta Parker this year coming out in Miami. You know, it was going to be his year to step up. And we just really – we were like steadfast in our thought that it, it was going to be Landry's year still. I mean, he's a PPR monster. He's putting up, you know, close to a hundred, uh, you know, receptions a year. Just, you can really just pencil him in for that amount. And we just, we just stuck to our guns on taking Landry. And, and uh, you know, also a uh, same thing with Ingram. There was a lot of talk, you know, Peterson's going to come in, take, take touches away. Kamara drafted high. They want to get him involved. And I'm looking at it like Ingram had 1400 yards, 
10 touchdowns last year. You know, Landry had, you know, almost 100 receptions, you know, close to 1,000 yards. I mean, just, just two guys that were really, like, kind of pivotal for us, but that weren't really talked about in fantasy circles as much. And it, it was really just trusting our gut that these guys were going to be there and going to still produce, even though a lot of people were kind of down on them. So I, I think that's the biggest part is just trusting our gut. Yeah, I just I like the Landry thing a lot. You might remember that block? You know, everybody was like, "Oh, Cutler's got the big arm, and Parker's going to break out." Yeah, and it's usually it, it a block. Yeah, yeah, it, it, absolutely. Yeah, he sucks. I hate Devonta Parker. <laughs> All right, anyway, let's start with that. what about as a person? Do you, do you like him as a? I mean, obviously not as a fantasy as a fantasy choice, but as a person, do you like him? I think I have a couple dynasty teams. I just don't like him. Okay. I, you know, I'm not sure of him as a person. I haven't, I haven't followed him on, on the Twitter. On the Twitter, on the Insta. Yeah. Yeah. Landry's. Are, by the way, Miami's going to screw up Landry. They probably won't even keep the guy. He's like the best. See, now that's an interesting thing for. Like guys, right? What do you guys think? Miami's a, Miami's a terrible organization. They're going to box this. Landry's going to get away. And they're going to be they're going to realize that they made a mistake. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I fully assume that they will screw it up. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> I, I, I I second that motion as well. Yeah, a hundred percent agree. Yeah. Yep. There we go. All right. So we'll have to see where Landry ends up. Michael. So congratulations. Uh, you took second in the 1250 FFPC Dynasty League as well. You're apparently you're set up pretty well in the backfield. You have Zeke Elliott with no suspensions coming probably. Derrick Henry, yeah, Ian Lewis, hopefully. and Jamal Williams. It's a long <laughs> offseason, Dave. We'll, we'll see what he gets into down there. So do you view any of these players as a sell high right now? I mean, Derrick Henry, there's a lot of hype with Henry. What do you think? Are you trying to sell guys like Derrick Henry, or are you going to hang on and let him not get, get even higher on the, on the totem pole? Yeah, I mean, as, as far as Henry goes, for me personally, he's just a hold because I, I don't think his value is as high as it can potentially be mostly because we don't know what's going on with Murray yet. Is, you know, are they going to bring him back? Signs point towards no, but if, if they do bring him back and he's got a split time, even if it's 75-25, he's obviously not going to be as the peak value as if Murray was gone. So I don't think he's as sell a high candidate. Um, you know, obviously Deion Lewis, with the success he's had, probably would fall more into the sell high candidate type role. Part of what we did, though, in, in drafting Lewis, and I, I think you can see from a lot of our teams, we, we spent a lot of our late-round picks on Lewis just, just knowing that his talent was going to win out long-term, and it, it kind of paid out. But we, we kind of hedged our best bets in Dynasty getting Burkhead there as well because if, you know, you know as well as I do with New England's backfield, you never know what Belichick's going to do. Is, is he going to ride Lewis next year? Is Burkhead going to come in? So we kind of hedged a little bit there. So if Lewis isn't the main guy, we still have Burkhead. But if, if I was to say sell high, I, I would say Lewis is probably the guy on that list that's probably the highest candidate right now, in my opinion. That makes sense. And with uh, Derek Henry, you have uh, the Rams offensive coordinator, Matt LeFleur, coming in. Does that get you kind of excited about Henry's prospects? Yeah, absolutely it does. I mean, I, I've loved Henry since his time in Alabama. He was one of my main targets in our maiden draft in that dynasty league. Like, I didn't want to leave that draft without Henry just because I know what he can bring to the table as a potential three-down back. Um, you know, we haven't seen his receiving skills as much because they tend to prefer Murray out of the backfield right now. But I think he's a little bit undervalued out of the backfield and his receiving skills. And if they give him the full workload next year, I, I think you'll really see that, you know, he could be in line for 35, 40 catches, which would really spike his value. 
Talking with Michael Apt and Justin Smiley, your 2017 FPC $250,000 championship winners. Justin, uh, looking at the Rams, Sean McVay comes in this year, does a wonderful job with them, turns them into a powerhouse of an offense. And obviously we know, well, we assume that Todd Gurley is probably going to be the 101 or the 102 next year, somewhere in that neighborhood, maybe the 103. But he will be going at the front half of the first round. Outside of him, though, Who's the Randall next year? Is it Cup? Is it is it uh, Goff? Is it Watkins? Is it Woods? <laughs> is it yeah? Is I mean, is it any of those guys? I mean, who do you like on the Rams next year uh, if, for the guy to own if it's if it's not Todd Gurley or outside of Todd Gurley, I should say. Sure. Yeah, and, and I may end up looking foolish when it's all said and done, but I I, I really am pretty stubborn on Sammy Watkins. Like, if if they bring him back, which the talk is they're going to, and if he gets an entire off season under his belt with, with McVay and uh, like, I, I really think he's going to put up some nice numbers. And I know some people may see Woods over there going off, which he is, but I, I think what Woods will take away in targets, he, he may give to Watkins an opportunity as far as the coverage is concerned. So it, it's yet to be seen, but I really do like Sammy Watkins just because he is super talented he, he has the physical tools, and now that he also has McVay, if he stays there, I can't help but feel like he really can put it all together. Um, but also maybe I'm just hoping that's the case because we took him in the second round on our dynasty team. So. <laughs> Believe me, I, I know how that goes. Just, I, I can't yeah. uh, unbiasedly evaluate guys anymore ever since I started playing anyway, dynasty. Yeah, Eddie right. Lacy's right at the. Although I feel like I've I finally come around and, and washed my hands of. of yes, you let Lacy go now. Yeah, you let, him, you, let, you let him go last year. Yeah, if some. You had your arms partially around him. You know, but then I was in the dynasty startup last year and I took him again super late. You know, just I couldn't get away from him. He's off that team. Anyway, let's get to some listener emails here for for uh, Michael and Justin. Michael, I'm going to pitch this first email to you. This is from Gary and Bayshore. Uh, Bayshore, New York, he writes, with Golden Tate and Marvin Jones both finishing as WR1s last season, can we expect them to do it again? Uh, The wide receiver 11 and wide receiver 12 in 2017 FFPC drafts went right at the 2-3 turn. Would you pick either of those guys there this year? Congrats on the FPC title. I didn't realize this, Dave. By the way, thanks for the email, Gary. Dave, I didn't realize this. Golden Tate was a wide receiver 11. Marvin Jones is a wide receiver 12 this year. That's I thought like he was making this up when I read the email. That's legit, mm-hmm. which is pretty crazy. Now, if you look at if you look at drafts, that's where typically these these guys will go: the wide receiver 11, wide receiver 12. Are Mike and, and, and as these guys will probably also attest to, yeah. you can't get jack crap for these guys. Like if you're trying to trade oh, Golden Tate or yeah. Marvin Jones, like no. oh they're garbage. No one's paying anything for them. Yeah. So I'll let them talk about. Yeah, that. Michael. What, what from a redraft standpoint, Golden Tate, Marvin Jones, second, third round. Would you be looking at either of those guys there? You know, it, it's really tough just because the the amount of talent that you have still in the running back position at at that level and. And I think one of the keys that that we've talked about is seeing guys like Hunt, Kamara, Fournette, McCaffrey, you know, even Cook to a certain extent at the earliest part of the year, they've all really asserted themselves to be guys that are worthy of taking in that position. You know, being from Detroit, obviously seeing Jones and Tate on a daily basis here, I I think there's there's some definite bias, you know, nationally when it comes to those guys because you don't think of them as, kind of elite receivers that should be picked in that level. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them drop 
further than that, even though their production tells otherwise. It's, it's kind of back to my Landry pick. I think Landry finished around wide receiver seven um, overall, and he was being taken, you know, anywhere from the fourth to the sixth round. And I, I would dare say we probably see a similar thing from both Tate and Jones going forward. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, uncertainty, whether Jim Bob Cooter comes back as OC. It seems like Patricia wants to bring him back next year, but it, it's not official. And there's obviously the, you know, the elevation of Eric Ebron's game. And what are we going to see out of Kenny Galladay next year too? They want to get him more involved and that could eat into both Jones and Tate's, you know, production. So, you know, me personally, I, I'm just not sure I would take them that high given the other talent that's on the board. So, Volky, I was just looking up some stats here. So, weeks 1 to 16, uh, Jones was actually receiver 12, and then Tate was 14. So, close enough. Yeah. But, you know, it goes from, you know, Hopkins with 312 points, and Devontae Adams had uh, 222 at wide receiver 11. And then you get, actually get, like, a, you know, people always talk about the tiers. You actually do get a drop-off. Marvin Jones with 207, and Golden Tate with 201. And what we've really seen in this past few years is the wide receiver production after the whole, you know, RB, zero RB, and so apparently the NFL listened because all the RBs are the rage again. And receiver production really fell off. I thought last year especially, and this is really evidence of it. I mean, you have guys like – I mean, you look at Des Bryant. I mean, I was just, I think of Des Bryant's season. Well, like, just throw your role on Des Bryant. I'm like, that's the worst season ever. Yeah. Okay. But, I mean, he was still wide receiver 20 with 183 points. I mean, that sucks. Yeah, weren't, we, weren't we talking about the same thing about how Frank Gore finished as a wide, as a right. as an RB one? It was like twelve flags. Because the the, the bar to finish above an RB one, whatever year it was, it was like barely off the ground. I mean, it was it was awful. And uh, and now we, we again RB twenty two. No, I'm saying. No, yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, even that, even this past year, he was yeah. still an RB two, and yeah. he did virtually nothing. It seemed like. Uh, let's sneak in one more email here, as long as they're rolling. Uh, and, Justin, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll uh, let you answer this one. This is from Adam in Westfield, New Jersey. What kind of an impact does Mike Williams in year two have on Allen, Tyrell Williams, uh, Henry, and the rest of that Chargers offense? Thanks for the email, Adam. So I know Dave is not a huge fan of Mike Williams, uh, for sure. <laughs> but uh, your thoughts, Justin. Uh, you know, he, he came into the season hurt. He, uh, he, had a, um, he missed some time, and then he kind of came in late to the party. I don't know how much of an impact he made. I mean, I know he had some stats that, you know, even though there wasn't really much there. But year two, full see off season to prepare, full training camp. What are your thoughts on Mike Williams in 2018? Um, I mean, my thoughts on him are, I, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to sound like I'm avoiding giving an answer, but it's just a matter of like, I, I have no idea. And, be, and with players like a Mike Williams, even if I were to lean on the side that he's going to make an impact there and, and start to produce, he's still someone I'm going to be really hesitant to, to use any, any picks that I could get a player who's much more certain with. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to need to see. I guess with Mike Williams, I'm really going to want to see something for a season. I don't want to be the guy to gamble on him. I'll just say that. I, I don't think it's worth it as far as this year with, what he could do. I don't think you're going to get wide receiver one production all of a sudden, especially like you said, they have a lot of other weapons there. So while I think, sure, like if he's healthy, he will definitely take a step in the right direction and, and get some decent production. But I, I really would be surprised to see him take a huge step and just dominate that wide receiver core. All right. Good stuff. So, all right. These are our last two fun questions. Yep. 
So looking ahead to next year, you know, now we know where we have to give you a few away all your great Or technically this year, I guess you could call yes. it. Looking, looking ahead, ahead to, to this year. This year. Yeah. And if we flip our, well, whatever. Yeah. Who's someone you're staying away from the first few rounds and a guy that you think will be flying under the radar? We'll start with Justin and then Michael goes next. Okay, um, sure. So I'm going to give you the guy I'm going to stay away from, and it's it, honestly um, Mike's going to probably agree because we kind of joke around about him every single year, um, and it's and that's Julio Jones, and it, it's it's not yeah. that we don't like yeah it's not that we don't like Jones overall, it's just that we don't really enjoy the 50 point blow up reverting to a bunch of nonsense in many other games because it, it seems to possibly hurt you a little bit more than it could help you if you had a different player. Um, so as far as being away from, I think it's a Julio Jones. As far as flying under the radar, um, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that Amari Cooper is going to fly under the radar and that he's going to be a huge value next year. Um, I, I, if you really look at his numbers this year, as far as like his, his Reception average, that's on point with his previous two years. He had the most touchdowns he had this year, um, and, but, but the targets were down. And I think Gruden's going to go ahead and remedy that. And so I think Amari Cooper, unless he skyrockets up the board by the time we're drafting, which I, I suppose could happen, but right now I think people are more down on Cooper um, than he deserves going into next year. All right. Yeah, and if you want me to, Michael, let's hear it. Yeah, if you want me to jump in on that, obviously, you know, Justin already mentioned the the couple guys that we've we've talked about. Julio is really my biggest one that I just wanted to stay away from this year, and I'll stay away from next year for all those same reasons. And I, I think if I had to pick a second one, and this is probably going to come to a little bit of surprise, and even Justin somewhat disagrees with me on it, but uh, I. Just something tells me Elvin Kamara is not going to be worth where he goes next year. I think he's going to end up being picked really, really high in the draft if I had to foresee it just based on his production level. But if you're looking at his efficiency numbers, his efficiency numbers this year were just off the charts. And my my gut feeling tells me he can't keep that efficiency on such little opportunity. Um, You know, when you're drafting in the first round, you want to get a workhorse like Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, somebody like that who you know is going to get you 20, 25 touches a game, going to get you rock-solid production. I'm just not sure with Mark Ingram still there and Mark Ingram's production being so high that I can count on the efficiency numbers from Kamara, you know, getting 12, maybe 15 touches a game to still turn out those 30, 35-point, you know, production days from a a first round pick, if he goes in the first round, I I just suspect that he might though. And that, that's one guy that I'm a little leery of taking early because of that. Um, You know, as far as a guy that's under the radar, I think Justin kind of talked about him a little bit earlier, and this is maybe more a little bit of a a hope and a gut feeling, but I really think Sammy Watkins is, is due for a breakout. We we've seen him be an elite receiver in this league, We've seen him be a wide receiver one in Buffalo with Tyrod Taylor throwing him the ball. Obviously, he's in a much better situation. You know, McVay calling the plays. Goff is, you know, far superior talent to to Tyrod. Um, you know, with a full offseason, full training camp, coming into the system, not, not getting traded, you know, two weeks before the season started. 
I think that talent is so high, and I, I think he's flying a little bit low under the radar. If he's going a fourth, fifth, sixth-round pick again this year, I think he could far outproduce that in redraft leagues. Makes a lot of sense on my end, Dave. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of stuff that I'm filing away in the old mental know, filing the cabinet. Well, the one thing about Cooper, too, you got Derek Carr, who we established a few weeks ago that he was injured through a lot of the season. Yeah, that's and true. And he didn't put on right. mascara or eyeliner. Right. And now he's getting that on. So here we go. New brand, the new deal with – it's not L'Oreal. I can't remember who the new the – new, uh, Maybe it's Maybelline. The new, yeah, Maybelline, I think, is endorsing Carr <laughs> this year. So yeah. I think we're good. Um, the car's endorsing Maybelline, obviously, their partners. Kidding aside, you know, you, you talk about the car injury. Cooper, I'm not was, really kidding. Cooper was dinged up, too. I mean, that both of them dealt with a lot of injuries throughout this year, and that, that might depress their value into uh, making Cooper uh, one of the guys to own this year. According to Belichick, those are known as excuses. Yeah, well, you know, Bill Belichick doesn't play fantasy Wait. football. <laughs> um, listen, Michael Apt, Justin Smiley, what a tr- uh, treat having you guys on tonight. I want to ask you both one more question. Uh, before we let you go, obviously, uh, 250 grand split two ways, 125 thousand dollars. Not to mention uh, the other cash that you guys won in uh, in you know the main event, your dynasty league, and, and so forth. Michael, what are your plans for that cash? And then uh, after he answers, Justin, uh, why don't you let us know if if you have anything, um, uh, if you have any of that cash earmarked for something special. Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably going to be a pretty uh, lame an- answer for a lot of people out there, but I've got a couple, you know, investments that I'm looking at. Obviously, as you, you know, I sell real estate, so I'm looking at a couple real estate projects right now that I'm uh, kind of earmarking that money for just to, you know, kind of put that into uh, something that can turn into a little bit more money. So that's that's kind of my plan for it right now. So don't be modest. You're going to leverage that up like five times. Yeah, that's, that's actually the plan, yes. <laughs> All right, fair enough. And uh, on my end, um, so, Ted, I, I live in the L.A. area, and so that's a big uh, big spot for renting for a long time um, until you're sure you want to put down, like, roots. Um, so winning this has, has had my wife and I just chatting about that. Do we want to actually just go ahead and use, use that as, as towards a down payment to actually uh, – just go ahead and purchase a home um, since we've been renting for, for so long. So there's a good chance that it actually goes towards uh, real estate, just like uh, Michael, actually. Yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Um, $125,000. That's probably like, what, two mortgage payments in L.A.? Would be my guess? <laughs> yeah. Something yeah. like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. <laughs> and you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> million dollar listing LA that's what they're all going for I yeah think. yeah exactly exactly well listen guys congrats on uh, all the success not only in the FPC but all your leagues last year you guys had a great 2017 here's to uh, making 2018 another uh, fantastic year I don't know if you can repeat it will be very tough uh, but certainly to have that feeling to know that you were at the top of the heap uh, after uh, after a, an entire season of fantasy football what a feeling what what an amazing accomplishment congrats again Good luck uh, this coming year, and uh, thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks. We really appreciate it. All right, guys. Mike and Dynasty. Yeah, exactly, for sure. Michael Apt and uh, Justin Smiley, ladies and gentlemen, on the uh, on the HSFF Hour tonight. We get the 250K winners. It has uh, brightened up my evening, Dave. I didn't even tell you about this. I should have gotten a Dynasty testimonial before I let him go. I had an awful, I had an awful night. 
Just awful. Did you tell me? Please, Austin, tell me about it. My wife had a get together with her coworkers after. <laughs> At after, your house? No, it was. They went oh. out somewhere. Um, and uh, I was watching my kids. I don't know what sort of drugs they were inhaling before I got home. Your kids, huh? They were out of control. And I I shouldn't even say they, because my son was great. My son is four. He was fantastic. Um, But my daughter, who is two. Emma. Emma. It it was insane. I'll show you the pictures later. I walked into the kitchen after getting her room ready for bed. Mm -hmm. There was, um, I don't know, uh, nine, ten eggs uh, on the floor. Some of them (laughs) smashed. Some of them just rolling around. Um, The egg box, the egg carton was ripped in half. Yeah. Um, clean that up. Do you like watch them when you watch them? Or well, that's, I was getting her bed ready. You oh. know, I, I figured I could step out for a minute. Yeah. So then I was, uh, you know, I cleaned up that mess. I put her on her. She had, she was on like four or five timeouts tonight. It was ridiculous. Um, oh, you still do the timeouts? Oh yeah. And uh, they're normally effective. Tonight they weren't. We were we reverted to spanking. <laughs> really? <laughs> Corporal punishment. <laughs> Our kids don't really miss the table a lot. Uh, well, they're, they're also older, quite older. a bit older, yeah. yeah. So then I, I leave to go get my son's room ready for, for bed. Yeah. I come back into the kitchen. I found out she had dumped chocolate milk all over the floor. And I, and I feel like this might be saying too much. She uh, took a, a shit right in the, on the kitchen floor. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Doesn't she have a diaper? Uh, no, because she had, taken, she had taken her undies off because she was playing dress-up. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, this is a little bit too much. Yeah. yeah. Okay, it gets worse. So then, well, I guess it doesn't get worse from there. She, uh, so I cleaned that up. And oh, we, you could call it a poopy or something. And like I, fe- I, I, felt, I felt using my, I don't use XSplit as much on the show, but I figured that this was a good opportune <laughs> time to do it. And so then I, um, I cleaned that up. I come back into the kitchen. She's completely naked with a bag of flour trying to rip it open. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. And then mom came home. You know, ten minutes later, and, like, and Lucas, Aaron, you know, Lucas what are you doing? is like bragging to me how he was stopping all this other stuff that could have gone bad. Really? Like and he's like, I can only do so much, Dad. <laughs> he didn't say that, but not so not not so many words. But then he, I I watched him. He likes to just watch her do it and then snitch on her. Nice. No, it's not nice. Oh, so then my mean. my wife walks in the door and she's and he's all like. Mommy, Emma did this and Emma did this. She was very sassy. And blah 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 blah. Wow. And then and 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 he's a nerd. And yeah, totally. And then Daddy made Emma really sad. Well, I didn't make her sad. You know, she was upset at the consequences for her actions. Anyway, so it was great to so talk to her. Time time for, for, for cheered me up. Two two minutes two minutes of timeout. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, I usually do it what whatever age they are. Um, right. That's the length of time. For, for the uh, that's the rubric. The outdated I use. We definitely do not use books. I think we'd be able to, listen, there would there there wouldn't have been excrement on my kitchen floor tonight had we used books. I mean you gotta hit him with a book. Maybe that's what we did. <laughs> hit him with a book. <laughs> Thanks to football guys, Roto Pass, Roto World, and Rob for tonight's rundown. The Kansas City Chiefs have agreed in principle to trade Alex Smith to the Washington uh, as our good friend Farrell Elliott, who I believe we're going heads up on broadcasting tonight because they have a they have a live draft being broadcast. Ooh, the ratings will be very impressive. Yeah, so we're we might it's like take the State a hit of the Union with Fox and yeah. CNN competing. So as he calls them, the Washington Foreskin League sources confirmed to ESPN's Field Yates, and then shortly thereafter, Alex Smith and the uh, Washington Football Team reached an agreement on a four-year contract extension. I believe seventy plus million guaranteed. Lots of breakdown here. So let's talk about Kansas City first. Patrick Mahomes, I know you like him. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of liking him. 
this obviously makes him a good choice as uh, as for maybe like a quarterback to pick maybe after the top 14, 15 have gone off the board. But I'm more curious what your thoughts are on what this does to not so much Kareem Hunt, but Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. You know, a lot of people are going to say it's like this big upgrade and, this, you know, because they're going to be like, oh, Mahomes has this big arm. I don't really necessarily agree. You know, Smith had a really nice year. Hill and Kelsey both had nice seasons. Uh, I guess if, if I own – I do own Hill, I do own Kelsey. If it were totally up to me, even though I like Mahomes, I would probably would have preferred the stability because then I have some sort of way I can project these guys a little bit better. I know what they're going to give me. Um, but, I, you know, I would like to think that if the team you – know, I've been playing devil's advocate to myself – I would think that the team, if they're going to part with, with uh, Alex Smith, they're going to feel pretty comfortable in the home. So I think they've seen enough of them practice that these guys should be in that same neighborhood of production as long as they stay healthy. You don't see Hill or Kelsey moving up draft boards as a result of this. It so. might. I mean, they could. But I'm, I'm actually talking about real production. I mean, yeah. Tyreek was wide receiver, what, six last year? You know, thanks to our prognostication, everybody hopefully picked him up. That's but, all you, man. Tyreek Hill, I mean, that's, he's not, I mean, he could go higher, but I mean, you know, that's a pretty lofty spot to be already, so that's pretty solid. Flip side, Alex Smith. And Kelsey, was he second, two, one? Uh, Kelsey, I believe, was one. Um, flip side, let's look at Alex Smith in Washington. Is this good news for Jameson Crowder and Jordan Reed? And maybe not so great news for Josh Doxson. Jordan Reed is independent of anything. It just depends on, you know, what parts of his body are working. I think Crowder... He was also not, you know, not in the best of shape last year early on. But, I, yeah, I think Crowder will help him quite a bit. I think he fits Alex Smith. I don't know. I mean, if Doxon actually does emerge, does keep getting better, and it's just, what, third year now? Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I don't think it – Smith is a very competent, quality NFL quarterback at this point in his career. He can also be the uh, starting running back for uh, – or the leading rusher, excuse me, for Washington <laughs> as well. Yeah, that's true. It's possible. Get into some uh, dynasty stuff here, Dave. Dane Brugler of NFLDraftScout.com says James Washington separated himself from the other receivers at the Senior Bowl this year. Uh, Washington, 5'10", I want to say 220. He's, he's is he really 5'10"? I thought he was 6'0". Yeah, is he 6'0"? I, I, you know, I thought he was 5'10". I could be wrong. Uh, not the greatest size in the world for a receiver. He has long arms. I think 220 is about the greatest size. Well, 5'10", 220 seems like that's more of like a running back to me. You know, he's well, he's built like, he is built like a running back. But, yeah. I mean, you know... Sites like Rotoviz say that receivers over 205, the weight is actually, they think it's more important, more important than the height. Than, than the height. Oh, interesting. I suppose I should check out Rotoviz every now and then so I know this. Uh, of course, uh, 6 foot 205, according to one thing, I'll look for something else, oh, and I'll probably get like five of them staff. Um, he has uh, obviously made a lot of big plays with Mason Rudolph in that Oklahoma State offense last year. He could be the first receiver drafted this year, although I think that Calvin Ridley probably currently holds that moniker. You like James Washington for dynasty purposes? I know you did some uh, you did some research on Washington a couple of weeks ago. What'd you like? I watched some film on him. He looked he looked he was very productive. He reminded me of Des Ryan in the open field back when he was good, or Terrell Owens when he was in you know, his prime. Because you know people don't want to tackle him. They don't they don't like what he can do to them in the open field. His he's route running and his you know his receiving skills are a little awkward. They are a little bit kind of like a running back. But he makes plays. He's a you know, he's a baller. I think that he'll actually be a pretty good receiver. I, I will say this, too. I think it was Bruger that said he was actually impressed with uh, James Washington's route work at the Senior Bowl practices. They, we looked in, he looked more polished than what he expected to see from Washington. So maybe he's may, already made strides one, in that area there. One thing, I mean, so he won the Blitnikoff Award. Yeah. And uh, Lance Service, our good buddy. Yeah, sport he, betting man I don't, on have, I don't have it in front of me, but he tweeted something that players that are not on the Blitnikoff finalists 
and how they how they produce when they're drafted like the first few rounds terrible. Really? Yeah, and I think I, again I don't know for sure, but like uh, I think Ridley, Cortland, Sutton. I'm trying to remember all the names. I can't imagine Sutton was on there. Yeah, he, I don't think he was on the finalist yeah. list. And then you know, so guys like that who are supposed to be really highly drafted. Uh, I mean, these are all like they're like the the who's who of bust in the NFL, like the Stephen Hill. Can I can I tell you something about you know this is listen I've done rudimentary work on these rookies so far, but you know who Cortland Sutton reminds me of? Uh, no. Hawaii receiver turned Atlanta Falcon bust Ashley Lilly. Remember oh, that guy? Unfortunately, yeah. I that's do. I just every time I and like I don't know what it is. I I don't I think Sutton is quite a bit taller than him. I don't I just I, I see him when when I when I watch highlights and and watch Sutton play. So I'm not a I'm not a big uh, Cortland Sutton guy. I know Tupacker does not like Ridley either. He's not a big and you know we've talked about his age. The age aspect. He's like 37 yeah. years old already. Yeah, who likes the old guys? Man? Not me. Seriously, I, that is a that's a big deal. Uh, let's move on. LSU wide receiver DJ Chark finished with five catches for 160 yards in the Senior Bowl. Quote, had everybody talking by the end of the week practices, according to NFL.com's Daniel Jeremiah. Uh, this is a guy that probably will not go in the first round, but he could go in the second round. And again, this is not a deep receiver class. DJ Chark, I don't know if you know a whole lot about him, Dave, but LSU receivers tend to do a lot better in the pros because they actually have real quarterbacks there. Odell Beckham, a lot better as a pro. Jarvis Landry, a lot better as a pro. So, I mean, there, and the list goes on. Um, I'm trying to think of the other guy. Michael Clayton had the one really good year, I guess, for Tampa, but then that was it. Um, but a lot of the – that's what I don't understand. Like, I'm watching, you know, all these other high school guys commit to – you know, these high school receivers commit to LSU. I'm like, what are you doing? Why would you want to go to LSU? Like, it's like the – the, the surefire way to see your draft stock plummet. Malachi Dupree is another guy committed to LSU. He was like a five-star prospect. What happened to him? He was drafted. I think he was an undrafted free agent. The Packers signed him, and now he's on the Bills practice squad. I mean, it's just, it ruins you. But D.J. Chark, I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on him. You know, I have not watched a lot of his game, but, I mean, that's really impressive. Five for 160 is you know, it's a big Game goal. high. Nobody had more receiving yards than him in that game. He's like, he's six four one ninety eight. So he, I mean, he has the frame of an AJ Green type player. And uh, you know, it's uh, Phil Savage is the guy who's the he's the guy who coordinates the team. Yeah. He says that Clark has been sitting like a shark. Shark, sorry. Yeah. He's been sitting like a jack in the box, waiting to spring to life, is what he said. No. I thought that was pretty cool. I'm actually interested. I'm interested in him. I mean, he is a senior. Yeah. You know, Landry and uh, Odell Beckham. They came out as juniors. Right. But uh, nevertheless. You know, why not? Yeah, this is a guy that, again, was a highly regarded prospect coming out of high school. That's why you go to LSU. I mean, you're going to be highly regarded. You know, if you're going to LSU, you're highly regarded. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it matters. Could have gone somewhere else and been a little bit more regarded. Or like Wisconsin? Uh, no, but Florida State, Auden Tate. That's a guy that's getting no pub right now. I think he's going to be a pretty good NFL player. Or, are they on Florida State? How are they doing? Uh, in recruiting, they're crushing it the last few days. <laughs> Really? Well, I mean, they, they had to go undergo the coaching transition, so a lot of guys decommitted. But um, now this, the it, you know, it's great is they hired Willie Taylor, who's the head coach at Oregon, and he's bringing all these guys he recruited from Florida to come to Oregon. Oh, yeah, so yeah. I'm looking at this like, oh, this guy could flip to Florida State. I'm like, oh, let me think. This guy got this kid from Florida to commit to playing in Oregon, yeah. and now he's back in Tallahassee. I wonder if what this guy is going to choose. Oh, yeah. They're all, uh, you know, choosing Florida State. So. That's nice. What's their quarterback's name again? They got rid of that one. The one it's going to be – no, 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 no. They didn't get rid of him. It's going to be – there could be a controversy. Uh, I think both guys are going to battle. There's DeAndre Francois, who oh, yeah. had the Pelotendi. Francois. Francois. And all then names. James Blackman is the other guy right. that they have. Uh, and those guys will probably be – J.J. Costantino uh, just um, – 
left the team, and he was he has the most seniority overall, and he saw no path to playing time. So nobody cares about this. Um, anyway, I kind of care. Well, thank you. But not trying to waste time on that one hour show. Tony Pauline from NFL Draft Scout believes that Arizona State running back Kalen Ballage, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, actually impressed scouts at Senior Bowl practices. Ballage is six foot two, two hundred twenty-two pounds. Now he's got the size. He actually has the speed. Hasn't really. Put, the, put up the great film at Arizona State. Um, but he did put up good film uh, in Mobile uh, last week at the uh, Senior Bowl. Explosive athleticism, uh, smooth receiving skills, holding up in pass protection. These were all comments that uh, Tony Pauline made. And Ballage actually might have moved himself all the way up to round three in this. This is an interesting guy um, to, uh, to pay attention to, Dave. I, I'm not interested. And tell me what you don't like. Is it the size? Is it the speed? Is it the fact that he went up against other elite athletes at the Senior Bowl and crushed them? <laughs> what is it you don't like about him? I want to just answer me a question. Okay. In the last 20 years, 20, name the number of top 12 6'2 running backs in the NFL. Go. I, I don't know. Brandon Jacobs? He never was top 12. I don't know about that. I'm pretty yeah, sure. I think it was in the top 12, though. I don't know. You can Maybe half a season. So you're saying he's too tall. He's too tall. Too tall. You know what? It sounds like a stupid, silly thing. But, if, I mean, would you draft a quarterback with seven-inch hands? I wouldn't. What if his name was Joe Montana? Well, in retrospect, perhaps. Yeah. But that's not how I it is. I don't even know. I'm sure he had bigger They're much hands bigger. Okay. Okay. You know, Russell Wilson, the short I, he, has ten, he has 10-inch hands. I, I, I think the comparison that you're making here is a little bit... No, I'm, there's no comparison. No, there's no, no. Just, the comparison no of a precedent. 6'2 running back to a quarterback. No, fine. Well, fine. I don't need the comparison. All I need is you to tell me how, okay. many high, how many tall running backs have been productive. No one. Okay. So you don't like them at all? I know. You know, there's no tall, productive running backs. So why would I draft someone to be productive okay. if no one's productive at that size? Okay. Right. I, 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 it's just weird to hear he's too big to play in the NFL. I didn't say too big. He's too he's tall. He's too tall to play in the NFL at running back. Maybe. You, know, you got to get sh- shrimpy. Yeah. You have to be able to slink down. I, what if the top, top running backs are like 5'10 to like 6 foot usually. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes shorter, but if you're 5'8, five, 5'7, five, you can actually be fine. Scrolls is that way. That's fine. But you you can't, I just, for some reason, six, uh, AP at 6'1, I think, was the tallest. But beyond that, it's like no way. Um, did you already research this? I'm not going to bother. You know, I didn't. I just kind of kind of know well, I, I mean, you never know how some of these guys measure in. Um, I don't. I don't even. What made you put tall, good running back? No, I, <laughs> no. This is this. I think I'm wasting time. Um, Glenn Gronkowski, six foot two, out of Kansas State. When, 19, Rob's brother. 1960. How tall was Ezekiel Elliott? He was like five eleven. I don't know. Uh, this this is just this is just <laughs> terrible radio. All right, let's let's move on here. Let's move on. I'm telling you, man. Yeah, you could be right. Okay. All right. Well, I'm I'm not agreeing with you, but I'm no longer disagreeing. Bleacher we'll, Report. We'll, we'll, we'll get some research on that, and we'll check that out next, next week. Bleacher Report, Matt, Matt Miller believes that Penn State wide receiver Deshaun Hamilton's draft stock could actually rise all the way up to the second round. This is a guy who uh, had a good shrine game, had a good uh, senior bowl, uh, didn't do much in the game, one catch for five yards, but a lot of draft analysts were still buzzing about his work in the uh, – 
and the practices. Matt Miller, the quote from him, Hamilton, despite a few early drives, emerges as a clean route runner with the speed to separate from defenders. Could be looking at a Zay Jones-type rise to the second round following this week. I'm just coming up with the last two receivers I can think of that came out of Penn State. Yeah. Last two receivers I can think of that came out of Penn State, Allen Robinson and Chris Godwin, and both these guys have pretty good dynasty prospects. And it's not like Hamilton's a shrimpy guy. He has good size. This is a guy to pay attention to for dynasty as well. You know, I really don't know much about him other than that. I cannot stand his first name. It's how it's spelled. Deshaun. Or is it Deshaun? D-A-I-D-A-E. Fine. Let's talk about it. Okay, if you will, we'll, not research enough. That's fine. We'll talk about Hamilton in the next couple of months. Let's talk about a guy I know that you know about. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah of NFL.com once again says Georgia running back Sony Michelle actually reminds him of Kareem Hunt. Uh, Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah believes that Michelle is capable of making a similar impact in the NFL. Uh, teams uh, might be looking to employ him the way that. Alvin Kamara was uh, deployed in New Orleans. Christian McCaffrey was deployed in Carolina. And obviously, since he backed up Todd Gurley and Nick Chubb there for a few years in Georgia, he wasn't used that much. So he's got a lot of volume still on those wheels. Sonny Michelle is going to go in the first round of rookie drafts, Dave. And uh, I like him quite a bit. I think he's going to be a climber. He's yeah. gonna, I think he might be uh, – I think he's going to go – I mean, he was, the, he was the one that the coach relied upon – when they were playing in the playoffs, in the, yeah. in the college football playoffs. Had him out there. Yeah, and he was more productive, and Chubb did nothing. Yeah. So for sure he should go ahead of Chubb if you are agreeing with what the way the coaches put him in there. I guess it's against the opponents. Him by the game. Chubb did have the better rushing numbers. Overall for the season. Overall for the season. But during season. when it mattered in that game. No, maybe it was Michelle Maybe their opponent, but it was Michelle who was productive and who was out there. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I think like there it. is something to be said for that too. Because the, the way that you hurt Alabama has always been like with these the speed spread, slasher type. Yeah, like they, you don't match up power power well, with power. The thing is, you know, we are playing a PPR. Most players are playing PPR. Yeah. So Michelle is the type of player I'd love to. Own. I, I'm, a lot of my picks that are in the first round are in like at like six or near the end. So I'm really not feeling too lucky. I don't feel like I'm gonna get him. Here's the great thing about Michelle. He's gonna go in the first or second round in the NFL draft, right? I mean, is there any debate that he would actually fall to the third? In the NFL draft? Yeah. I really don't know where he's going to go in the NFL draft. I don't, I don't, I don't think he... If he goes in the first or second, he's going to be a top four pick. Okay. After Geis and Barker. Uh, uh, Geis. Uh, <laughs> he is going to go in the first, first the two rounds. Running back. Now, listen to this. Yeah. Okay. I need you to focus just I'm, for a minute. Yeah, so what am I running <laughs> just, just, just fake it for a little bit. All right. He's going to go in the first or second round. Anybody who takes a running back in the first or second round obviously has big plans for them, Correct. Yes. Here's the great thing about it. This is Sony Michelle. It doesn't matter where he goes, NFL team-wise. If he goes in the first two rounds, he's going to have a role. Oh, Balky, what if it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter who's there already. We saw what happened with Kamara last year. They had, the they, they had an established guy in Mark Ingram. Kamara was like the RB3. We saw what happened with last year in Christian McCaffrey. You say what you will about Jonathan Stewart but he always seems to finish in the top 20 running backs every year. What did McCaffrey do? What, what, what did he finish last year? Why, uh, running back eight? Eight, yeah. Yeah. There's going to be a role for Sony Michelle rookie year, and this is a guy that, again, you're, you're not going to take him over Barkley, at least I would. No. But he should be a guy that you're, you should be considering maybe with the second overall pick. Who would you rather have, Michelle or Ridley at this point? Michelle for me. Yeah, totally. I don't want – I don't I mean, comparatively, I'll, I'll take running backs all day long on this draft. Really? No, it really bothers me. You know, I, I hated Adrian Peterson, so why don't I get enough Camara? 
I know I got a lot of Ingram, but I didn't get enough Camara. I don't it's know. Just so annoying. I don't know what to tell you. I blew it. We are. We're gonna. We got to fly through this last part here, so I'm not gonna play any production drops. We're gonna do a dynasty. Would you rather with Des Bryant here? I believe. Yeah, Marcus and Sebawang, Michigan. Could you play a dynasty edition of Would You Rather with Des Bryant? He's been in the news despite the Cowboys not in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, getting dogged by uh, the, the, the owner's son. And then uh, the nepotist. Did you notice that Stephen Jones had a chance to kind of like walk it back? Yeah. And he walked it forward. And he, yeah, he just reiterated like, you know, if you, if you I don't know if y'all heard me. This is what I said, and I stand by it. No, he didn't. It wasn't as bad as he made it seem. It was almost like liberal media talking about like the state oh, of Okay, well, let's not get into that. I'm just saying this. Like, it, it wasn't that bad. It was like he, he kind of waffled a little bit. But, of course, they have, it's a slow news week, so they have some headlines out there. Would you rather have Des Bryant or Adam Thielen? Thielen, wow. Would you rather have Des Bryant or Juju Smith-Schuster? Dude, we're not even like in the same like realm. Juju, of course. Oh, this, I, they're only two two ranking spots apart on DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Well, well, they need to get their act together, bro. Let's go the other way then. Des Bryant or Demarius Thomas? DT. You know he's a year older. And better. Des Bryant or Michael Crabtree? Crabtree. Year older. Continue. Okay, Des Bryant or the much younger and spry Devontae Parker. Oof, now we're getting close. Yeah. Um, you know, give me, you know, I, I'm really down on Des. Give me Parker. This is the first one I disagree with you on. I'd rather have Bryant. Des Bryant or Devin Funches? Funches. Des Bryant or Mike Williams? Des. Yeah, Mike Williams. <laughs> How about this one? How about, I mean, this one? How about this one? Des Bryant or Jordy Nelson? Oh. Uh, I'll take Des because he is a, he is a, how many children? Three Four years three? younger. Right, yeah. Des Bryant or, Man, or Manny Sanders, which one would you rather have? Des. Yeah, I would too. He's actually younger. Um, Des Bryant or Robbie Anderson? <laughs> Robbie. Robbie, the, no, he's a criminal. Robbie Anderson's a criminal. Des Bryant. Des Bryant or Jameson Crowder? Crowder. Des or Martavis Bryant? You know what? Give me Martavis Bryant, Balky. Wow. For once, I'm going with you on that one. All right. I, I think Even if you go the other way. We've sucked all the life out of this now, I think. What about Des Bryant or Nelly Aguilar? As, as <laughs> that's actually, actually kind of close. I'll take Bryant, I guess. Uh, I don't think Aguilar is. He's not quite close. I would, take, I would take Bryant as well. All right. Uh, <laughs> Matt in Fullerton, California writes, Hello, Dave and Balky. Not sure if Dave has had a chance. Oh, wait, excuse me. I skipped one. Hey, HSFFR. This is for Matt in Fullerton, California. Got a trade offer. I get Antonio Brown and Gurley, but I'd be giving up Le'Veon Bell and Beckham. Where do you fall on this deal? Enjoy the game Sunday, fellas. That is Matt in Fullerton, California. Which side would you rather have here, Dave? Huh. That's actually really weird. I would assume both these teams are not in rebuilding mode, given the talent that they have. Bell, I mean, certainly the rest of their teams could be awful, but I'm just taking this from the standpoint of, um, you know, I'm contending and which yeah. which guys give me a better chance. I don't know, you know, I'm just I'm just going with my gut reaction. I'm taking Brown and Gurley with my gut. I am too. Gurley's younger than Bell, uh, and I know Brown is older than Beckham, but I don't know. I I don't think Brown's game is the type of game that like he's just going to fall off the face of the earth next year or in two years. I mean, you know, when you look at this, how many good years does Antonio Brown have left? Four, three, sure, something like that. Three or four. Four to five. I'll take that. I'll take my chances with that. When you okay, when you think of Antonio Brown, do you think that there's any chance of him flaking out something happening with his life? I don't know. Maybe. What about Todd Gurley? Okay, a little bit. Okay, Todd yeah. Gurley. No. Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. Uh, Odell Beckham. Obviously not. He's a uh, whatever. Clean cut, cut, stand <laughs> out of the headlines. 
probably going to tattoo parlor right now. So heading to a strip club afterwards. So when it comes down to, um, so when it comes down to this level of, or comes up to this level of talent, you actually go by the flaky factor. Well, I mean, in this case, I just, I just feel a little bit more. I feel better. Gurley, I just feel really comfortable with. I mean, like he's just a great, great player. Bell, I. I really like his game a lot, but I mean, compared to Gurley and Antonio Brown, and then Beckham, I just don't own Beckham on any dynasty right, teams. And then right. he, he's kind of like he's a little bit hit or miss. Yes, yes, more than a little bit. Antonio Sweet. Brown is like ungodly when he's. And I know you love. And supposedly Big Ben's staying. Right. Uh, and I know you love the Giants' new head coach, Pat Shermer. The Sherm. Uh, coach Retread. Hello, Dave Balky. Not sure if Dave has had a chance to read up on Christian Kirk yet, but I wanted to get your dynasty outlook on him. That is Frank. In Las Vegas, Nevada. Thank you for the email, Frank. Hey, we'll see you at Planet Hollywood uh, this September, hopefully. Um, Christian Kirk, the uh, receiver from Texas A&M, a guy that was bandied about as uh, you know, a potential first-round pick even before this past season, and I think he's, uh, he's got a legit shot at it. Um, you talk about the receivers in this draft. You mentioned Ridley in Washington. We did on this, on this episode tonight. Christian Kirk has to be right up there as well. Dave, your thoughts. Uh, and again, I don't know if, if you've um, you know done your research on Kirk. I don't think you have, just based on you haven't really talked about him too much. Um, but your early thoughts on uh, on what he brings to the table, and your early dynasty thoughts on what kind of a pro Christian Kirk could be. Uh, you know, he's not not a huge guy. Not the size I like. Five eleven, two hundred pounds. He's productive his first year as a as a true freshman, or was right. he a, I think he was a true freshman. True freshman. 80 catches, 1,009 yards, 7 touchdowns, 38% market share, this is according to Rover this. So he did break out as a rookie, so that, or rookie as a freshman. So I guess that helps. But, I mean, after that, he kind of, you know, did a little bit worse as far as receiving yards goes and market share. So, I don't know, I mean, is he a slot player in the NFL? If he is, I mean, how excited can you be about him? Even, like, yeah. you know, Jameson Crowder. We but I don't think if they – because he's not going to be drafted as a slot player. I can't – I, I slot – yeah, I, I can't I mean, imagine. a 5'11", 200? Nah, I don't. I don't. I I think that if where he's going to go in the draft, the team is going to view him as an outside receiver, an outside threat. Hmm. So there's no Steve Smith. There, there's no. He's played as a, in the slot most of his career already. Oh, all right. Well, okay. Of course, Matt McShay has him in the same spot, but he hasn't gone in the first round. And Walter Football says he's a fast, explosive playmaker. I'm just reading a nah. couple of things. So, who do you, you like better? You like Washington better than Kirk? I do. I mean, again, because he's so, fatter. So limited. Because he's fatter. Honestly, 205 pounds is that is the number right. that you must weigh right. to be productive according to Rose. Yeah, I got it. Which I mean, whatever. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean I totally believe it, but it does, it does help a lot. Five eleven. Too bad he's not a running back, huh? That's right. Uh, <laughs> there are some questions about his speed as well. Uh, I well, want. You have to be fast. You're you do. You, yes, you do. I wanted to talk. Um, about Super Bowl prop bets tonight and put some I got five on it, Dave. By the way, Marcel Reese said Eddie George is 6'4". Yeah, also, I, didn't, I said in the last 20 years, and George, uh, he has been last one. I don't know if he was 6'4", by the way, was he? I don't know. But listen, um, I wanted to do some Super Bowl prop bets tonight and put some I got five on it. I checked this afternoon and was literally overwhelmed at the amount of prop bets that you can make this year. So I just said, you know what, screw it. I don't want to bore the listeners, so I'm not going to do it unless. 6'3", but close up. Unless, well, he, he just had to be telling him 6'2". Right. Unless there was a prop bet that you liked that you wanted <laughs> to go five on. You know, okay. I do know one offhand. Let's do the national anthem. Looked like though. Uh, it was like 158.6 is what I saw. Pink? 
Um, I'll take the over. I will take the over. All right. I think there's going to be some uh, shenanigans, <laughs> and uh, it, it goes over. For so, some reason, I, I think of Pink songs are always like quick, short songs. So I feel like she's going to be a short. Did you watch the drama? She's kind of short. Yeah. Did she you, be, you know what? She'd be a running back. Um, yeah, she would. <laughs> did you watch? She's really athletic. Did I watch the Grammys? Yeah. She, her performance at the Grammys. No, I did not watch the Grammys. The, the partisan Grammys. I've been feeling them. over the shark play. <laughs> really? Pink, yeah. I mean, hopefully she doesn't give a speech in the middle of the anthem. I don't know, Dave. I've seen Stranger Things. Maybe she'll, maybe she'll do it in, like, Spanish, or she'll do the Canadian anthem as a process. Uh, I don't know. All I know is that it's, uh, <laughs> it's going to be interesting. Okay. But you heard Janet, Jap- Janet Jackson might be, uh, she's, she's, she might be in there. They're not going to let her, because Timberlake's doing the halftime. They're not going to do wardrobe malfunction. Nipple game, part too. Two. Yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> By the way, uh, some reporter is trying to get Timberlake in his press conference today. Uh, to say that he was rooting for the Pats, and Justin Timberlake said, go Pack, go. He's a big <laughs> Packers fan. And I know that's legit, because him and his wife have been like, they've tailgated at Lambeau. Um, really? Before Packers game, before, yeah. Justin Timberlake and his wife just like out with all the commoners? Yeah, and walking are, around. They don't care people. Oh, like, they cared. Yeah. There's a lot of pictures. The thing is, Packer fans would be cool. Like, they'd be like, hey, Timberlake, you're awesome. But they yeah. wouldn't like go crazy and like no. totally ruin his day. No, they wouldn't. Um, okay, the, and the only other prop bet I know off the top of my head, the longest completed pass for Nick Foles in this game. Over or under? Well, first of all, I know what it is. Tell me what you think it would be, and then I'll, I'll go by what I want on that. So what do I, what's my guess for the over What's under? your guess, yeah? Uh, 33 yards. 38 and a half. Oh, yeah. So you're obviously taking the under. Well, not obviously. I was just making a guess. Okay, do you want to take the under? Uh, yeah, sure, I'll take the under. All right, so I have Foles. A completion longer than 38 yards. All right. 30, 38. We should play some bets on Sunday. Bucky and I are hanging out on Sunday. Yeah, we, we are. So we gotta, let's play, we'll get the big prop sheet. Let's place a bunch of bets. Okay, that's we'll sounds good. We'll get Leroy in there. Yeah. Um, before we uh, let the listeners uh, off the hook tonight, and thanks for everybody who's tuning in on a Thursday night, um, Super Bowl predictions. Everybody does them. I feel like we have to. Give me a final score. <laughs> Uh, and I got five on it not being that. Well, that's great. That's <laughs> okay. Go ahead. You're, you're... Um, I hate to say, it. I'll go thirty-one twenty-seven Patriots. I'm gonna go twenty-six twenty-three Philadelphia. All right, good. Yeah. Fly Eagles, fly. Nick Foles, Super Bowl MVP. Three weeks later, he will be traded to the Cleveland Browns. See, the only difference between you and me. Because I, I have Brady throwing the touchdown to win the game at the end, which will, of course, happen. Oh, he will throw the touchdown to win the game at the end <laughs> to Florida State alum Patrick Robinson, <laughs> who will house it for an incredible sure. 26-23 victory sure as time expires. <laughs> that won't happen. But listen, uh, uh, great show uh, tonight, and uh, thank you to uh, everybody who listened. I really appreciate it. Enjoy the Super Bowl. want to remind everybody that while you heard – the uh, football guys champs tonight you will hear from the football guys third place champ or third place winner $50,000 winner Greg Pignatelli will be on next Friday this is a guy Dave if you would have started Dion Lewis he would have been the guy we were talking to tonight with the 250k I didn't bring it up with him he's bringing it up when I talked to him I don't know
Thanks to Michael App, John this has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. Big dog stay on the court. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. You know, you like that theme song so much. We have to, we're gonna have to pick out a new one probably next month, I think. Or we have our new so-called season. Yeah, our new se- season seven or eight. I can't remember what it is now. So you need. I don't want to hear all this petty. I didn't complain this year. So I no because I picked out awesome music that you like. I, I need suggestions though. Okay. All right, I'll get on. So make sure that you're getting that to me and uh, everybody enjoy the Super Bowl. Yeah, email me or tweet me some songs if you want. Yeah, at David Gerzak. Yeah. <laughs>